Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelant Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. And oh, 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 I am very excited about this conversation that I had today. This is one of those weird ones where, like, it's not often that people uh, contact me and say, hey, I want to be on your show. Um, but this um, was was um, a great conversation with Alex Schumacher. Not that Schumacher, no relation as we get into in this show. Uh, but he is a writer and a cartoonist. Um, he does decades of inexperience, Mr. Butterchips. Uh, and it is um, great little comics, web comics and whatnot. We talk about comic books. We talk about web comics. We talk about how he got into it and all. It's I don't have to tell you here. You're about to listen to it. Make sure you check us out on awesomepodcast.com. We're on Twitter, at RealAwesomePod. That's also our Facebook, at RealAwesomePod. You can... Uh, hit us up on Instagram at awesome podcast. I need to use that more. You can hit me up on at that nerdy Kev, of course. Uh, and, um, you know, all the cool things, patreon.com slash that entertains, throw some support our way and get some extra bonus material at times. And, uh, that's, that's all. I don't want to hit you over the head with too much now. So, uh, we'll be back on the other end to wrap things up. Here is my conversation with Mr. Alex Schumacher. Yeah, and you have been like you've been tagging me in some of your work on Twitter. Yeah, um, which how did so? It's because you messaged me to be on the show, right? I did. If I'm remembering. Yeah. Okay, how like how do we connect? Like, did you start following me because someone else like said follow Friday? Like, how I did believe, we connect on Twitter? Yeah, I believe that's what it was, and then uh, you and I had connected because you had your personal. Uh, Twitter, and then I saw that you were a podcast host as well. So I looked up the podcast, and uh, yeah, thought I'd throw out a, a line, uh, put out some feelers, and see if you'd be interested. Yeah, I never say no. It, it's rare for me to say no. I should say. Uh, so it makes yeah, me it's... feel so special. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it does make me feel special because I'm not yeah. used to. It's it's you know you coming to me makes my job so much easier because oh, normally it's me hunting people down and uh, it's 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 ask anyone that does an interview type show and like mm -hmm. or even like a just booking a guest on any show it's just a pain. Sure. So I'm, well, I'm glad to hear that I don't come off as just some you know attention starved stalker or something <laughs> well i mean i didn't say that <laughs> no you didn't i no, i know no you were saying that it makes your job easier so that that is good for me yeah. mm -hmm. so let's get to the origin point of you and uh you know what got you into art and specifically if uh, your your what you're tagging me in leads me to to say down the path of like comics. 
Yeah, it's definitely comics. Um, yeah, you know, I started drawing when I was young as I, I really do believe that almost every kid draws. You just there's this, you know, natural compulsion to doodle as you're a child. And, um, you know, most kids grow out of that for, I don't know, pragmatic reasons or just, you know, they're they're maybe more grounded in realism than the rest of us. But I, I got quite a bit of encouragement as I was growing up from uh, my parents and uh, several teachers in elementary school who believed I, I may show some uh, talent or proficiency for drawing and illustrating. And so I just continued to do it and yeah, pursued comics. And I've taken a couple diversions to try and do you know, syndicated comic strips at one point and animation at one point, but I've always ended up finding my way back to comics. Yeah, I, it's I, every, I mean, that's at least how, how today's kids are learning, like to, to do, to like do basic functions that I don't, like, I don't really remember drawing in school to learn but maybe that's what you did when you're in kindergarten i and i'm just making it up that that's what they're doing now but that's my son started kindergarten this year and uh you can hey yeah you're right every kid draws and i'm sure i did when i was in kindergarten as well or even when i was younger than that and it hasn't improved much since then but (laughs) my my son you can see like what he how he drew what he thought a person looked like you know, uh, before he started kindergarten and, and the progression he's made over the last several months. But that's like totally how they teach now is if they do kid writing where they're just sounding it out, if they and if they can figure out just basically like the syllables of the letters and, and, and how they how like dinner might end up being D-I-N-N-R and it's missing that E or it's missing an N and it might be just D-I-N-R or something like that. But they also he today in fact they were they were learning about whales and he shows Mm -hmm. me his um project uh to you know show that he understood and comprehended the story that they read and whatnot and uh the 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 teacher interpreted the pictures for for us so we could see that he drew all these facts about whales and that's how he's learning to eventually be able to write i guess but yeah, it's yeah. it's neat that they're using art to kind of, uh, I guess you know, get the kids to, um, uh, you know, comprehend, express their comprehension and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, art, comics, any of those uh, arts are, are definitely a way to interpret the world around you, and especially when you're younger, I think that visual stimulus makes more sense than just reading text in a book or, you know, information on a page or on a screen, I guess it would be now because kids probably don't use paper like we did when we were young anymore. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's a way to uh, interpret the world around you. And it still is for, you know, me and, and other graphic storytellers. Uh, but that's why I think it, it's something that all kids do because it's a language that they can understand. It's a language that, yeah. you know, anyone can understand. It's universal. Um, so then, yeah, I think some people end up just growing out of that different interests. And then there are those of us who are just masochistic enough to continue doing it and try to make a career out of it. Well, uh, now, do you think that like the, can anyone draw good? Like if, if 
because for me, I want to say like I didn't really fall out of it, and I still to this day will doodle uh, during a, like a, a phone a conference call or uh, a meeting that I really don't need to be part of, but I'm any, I'm there anyway. Right. I'll find myself doodling, and it, and it's not. I guess if I take my time, it's uh, good for me, but it's definitely not on the level of uh, anyone that considers themselves a professional or even semi-professional or is taking the time out to do like a web comic or, or whatever. Sure. Uh, it's not that good. And so, and I would venture to say that my interest in drawing kind of like it, it's, I don't want to say it stopped, but it basically stopped it, it, like becoming like a thing that I wanted to do on a regular basis when I realized I didn't have the talent. So do you think that's, something that like you just have the talent and that's why you continued on with it or if i if if i decided to stick with it i could have learned to draw as well as you uh yeah i think if you stick with it you can definitely learn i mean sort definitely sort of the techniques and the principles and developing your own style and things of that nature which i find to be integral are, isn't something that you can necessarily learn to do, but absolutely, yeah, the techniques and the basics, I believe anybody could learn and then you can build upon that. Mm. Um, for me, you know, I feel, uh, you know, even if I, you know, write a book that ends up selling a million copies, I'm sure for myself, I'll still end up feeling like a fraud to some degree. But like I said, I received a lot of encouragement growing up. So whether or not I had talent, people always sort of pointed that out as something that I had a, a little bit more of an aptitude for as opposed to something like athletics or, mm -hmm. you know, math, you know, that was always something that came very naturally to me, the uh, storytelling and illustration. So, and, and, you know, talent is subjective too. So saying that one person is better than another is a little bit, uh, uh, I think a rigid sort of um, distinction to make when you're talking about things like art, because it's all based, you know, <laughs> beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And, and I, I really think that rings true for things, especially for cartooning, because, you know, you see everything from, you know, Mobius who does these incredibly intricate drawings all the way down to somebody like Scott Adams who does Dilbert. And yeah, but even like I, see, I, I feel Sorry. like even Dilbert is a is a is a talent that you know <laughs> I don't have. You know, it's it, to me it's almost like you know to equate the sports and to equate it to like basketball or something like it's I I don't I would no matter how much I tried at basketball I'm never going to be NBA uh, have that NBA talent and I think the same yeah. like. Whereas I, I might be able to get better at basketball, uh, I might be able to get better at drawing. I just I feel like there's people like you and pe you know people that are um, maybe it's because of the passion or whatnot, but uh, that just are naturally have that talent that uh, makes it easier slash puts you ahead of the game. Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head though. Um, and going back to the basketball reference, I'm lucky there's no height requirements for cartooning, or else I would be shit out of luck. <laughs> Cause I'm like five, seven. So, um, <laughs> but as far as, you know, you said, you said it perfectly, I think where you just end up developing a passion for it. And it's something 
And, you know, that can be every, people develop that for different things. Some people develop it for mechanics or engineering or, you know, genetics, whatever it is. And mine just happened to veer towards uh, graphic storytelling. And that was just something, again, that I was encouraged to develop and met, you know, a couple of art teachers and mentors in the industry along the way who further encouraged it and sort of galvanized me to continue on with it or else. Yeah, I don't know. I may have given up at some point, too. But and there have been several intervals along the way where I may have thought about giving up. But I think for me at this point, it's just something that I have to do. It's something that's in, you know, innate to my being at this point where I would be miserable if I wasn't creating or storytelling or drawing in, in some fashion. Uh, so uh, yeah, at this point, I, I definitely think it's something that I need in my life. So what, were there any specific like comic book artists that, uh, or not, I mean, they don't have to be comic book artists, but any, any kind of particular artist that you, uh, like, uh, inspired you to, to, you know, uh, start drawing or keep on drawing or that you try to mimic a style after? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, as far as I, I think when everybody starts, you're sort of regurgitating all of your influences and, you know, you put them through that creative blender, which is sort of how you arrive at your style someday. And it's not even that, um, contrived. I don't think you don't necessarily plan on it. I think at some point you just go through all of these different phases of influences and then suddenly find, Oh, I have a recognizable style. So for me, that started probably, you know, when I was six or seven, my grandparents, uh, who have since passed, gave me this incredible Smithsonian book, Smithsonian collection of comic strips, I believe it's called. And so mm -hmm. it had everything from the beginning of the comics, like the syndicated comic strips. So there were people in there like Roy Crane, who did, um, you know, Captain Easy. And, you know, it had Walt Kelly, who did Pogo and all of the just incredible original comic strip artists. And then, you know, sort of in my early 20s, uh, it was it, sort of the golden age for indie books. So I got really into people like Evan Dorkin, who did Milk and Cheese, and Mike Allred, who did Madman, and, um, you know, the Smith Brothers, who did Odd Job, and, you know, all of those people. And then I met a bunch of other artists when I moved up to the Bay Area, people like Maury Turner, who did The Wee Pals, which was like the first integrated comic strip, and uh, Michael Jancy, who did The Norm, who were both were, uh, you know, very influential to me and integral to my development, uh, not just as encouraging me, but willing to actually give me points and tell me where I can improve and what I was doing wrong and, you know, how to sort of correct those things. And it, it's not as demeaning or, you know, maybe insulting as it sounds. They were actually very uh, nurturing with that, which I appreciated and, and I still appreciate. And, you know, even later on now, I've discovered people like John Durf Backdurf, who did My Friend Dahmer graphic novel, which was recently turned into a movie, and Alison Bechtel, who did uh, Fun Home, and these, you know, very sort of mature, stylized graphic novels that are gaining a lot more traction now, which is wonderful to see. And so I think you, you tend to go through, uh, you know, several different influence you know styles and influences and 
um, periods uh, of things that you're viewing and looking at at the time. And I'm also very you know influenced by things like novelists and movies. And, and for me, you have to allow all of those things to influence you when you're storytelling, because if you are just, um, you know, sort of modeling what you do off of comic books, it's going to come out very derivative in a lot of ways, because that's all you're doing is, again, sort of regurgitating what you're seeing as opposed to crafting uh, a more individual style. So, yeah, for me, it took, you know, several different iterations of what I'm doing now to actually arrive here. So did you gravitate more towards, because you've talked a lot about comic strips. Did you, and, and to me, that's like, I'm yeah. thinking like newspaper comic strips versus like a, like a Marvel or DC comic book. Am I misinterpreting what you're saying? Right. Or did you gravitate more towards no. that kind of um, comic? Yeah, it was definitely the newspaper comics that I was uh, referencing and that I really was into, you know, in my earlier years. And, you know, even now I do still like to go back and read a lot of those. And then a lot of the indie comic strips that were around sort of in the nineties, cause there were still a lot of uh, small press newspapers, the alt weeklies and things that were still around. So they would publish things like the K Chronicles by Keith Knight. And those were still comic strips cause they'd be sort of one page um, self-contained stories and I, I really loved those. So, no, you're, you're absolutely right that it was more sort of a newspaper style comic strip that I was into sort of in you know my early 20s or so. And even tried my hand at being a syndicated comic strip artist, which uh, didn't go well. But in my indomitable way, I, I continued to try regardless of the countless rejections. And, you know, because as you go through attempting to do these things, especially in the creative fields. And that's, you know, music, dance, filmmaking, any of those rejection is just a part of it. And yeah. if you're going to sort of crumble or your spirit is going to be broken every time somebody says no, then you're not really, you know, made for this sort of work because you're going to hear that a lot. Even, even when you're a, you know, perceived professional, you still get rejections. So, uh, yeah, I kind of veered off in a, in a different tangent there, but uh, yeah, so comic strips were definitely a big influence on me. What even like so? And you said in your twenties. What, what about when you were younger? Yeah. Like, was it still comic strips? Oh yeah. Oh it, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I read comic books when I was a kid too. I um, I think like a lot of kids did when you were young. You read the sort of superhero books, and I certainly mm-hmm. did. I loved you know Excalibur and X Men, and my aunt had this massive collection of you know comics from the 60s and 70s the old batmans and you know dc's finest and even there was a series of weathering heights that they serialized as a comic book which she had as well so that absolutely sort of kick-started my interest in comic books too so i was yeah i was into both i guess from the beginning to be fair because i yeah i want to say that like and i'm kind of just Using my, I have a bad, bad memory of especially, you know, going back, you know, over I'm 33. So going back to when I was a kid, like 25, 27 years ago, I want to say and I'm only, you know, part of my memory and part of like just seeing what my kid does is like I remember uh, that like comics, like newspaper comics was like they were big for me when I, you know, before I knew how to fully read. 
uh, because they were just like little quick, uh, like three to four block uh, stories. And oftentimes, yeah. like you didn't even need to read the words to know what we're understanding. Like, like Garfield, I, you know, I, I, I don't think you need the actual words to right. um, get the story that that's being told there. Uh, though you could, I, I love as a kid, you're getting the, I think you're still getting the innocent story that's being told on paper as an adult. Sure. You get that, that Tumblr, uh, was it Garfield without words or something? That's my uh, favorite iteration of Garfield, man. Garfield minus Garfield <laughs> is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that's what it is. Garfield minus Garfield. That's what it is. So there's, there's still words. John it's is just... this like sociopath yeah. and it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's yeah. far funnier than the, than the newspaper version. Yeah. And the newspaper version, like, I, I mean, I still, I'll read it once in a blue moon just because my, my kid will get like sure. his, his grandma will give him the, the, the comics from the Sunday paper or whatever. And I, you know, when he's done with it, I'm like, Oh man, I haven't read comics like these comics in a while. But, um, so it's still good. And like, I, for me, it's like, it's funny looking at all those comic strips that are in there. And as a kid, like, you know, it was Garfield, uh, Luann and, uh, Marvin were like the three that I gravitated towards all the other ones. I just skipped over and now, yeah. <laughs> now as an adult, there's a hell of a lot of them don't feel bad. Yeah. Well, and now as an adult, it's like I, I read, I, you know, I, I skip very few of them because the ones that I skipped were like, well, I'm, I'm a kid. I don't care what these adult comics say. But now I do. Sure. Now I do. And the only one I still yeah. skip is uh, Heathcliff because he's just a copycat, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, he's like the bad boy Garfield. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and to sort of touch on a point that you were making, I think that's such a unique aspect of doing comics and graphic novels as opposed to just writing a book. You have the the visual expression as well. And if you're doing your job as an artist, like you said, the reader should be able to know what's going on regardless of whether or not, A, they can read because if they're a kid, or B, maybe if they are reading it and aren't uh, fluent in the language that it's originally written in. I think the art work speaks volumes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I feel, uh, you know, I always try to keep that in mind when I'm drawing uh, specific tales as well, where I'm trying to make sure that you, you could probably tell what's going on or at least glean the gist of the story, regardless of whether or not you could read it or are reading it. So, uh, did you, so did you go to uh, school for like, I don't, I guess an art school. I, I should have. Uh, I'd probably <laughs> I'd probably be far you know more advanced if I did. But uh, you know, on the same token, there's also a lot of rules and you know uh, you know barriers that they give you that you don't necessarily have when you're just learning on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus the the fact that art school is just an astronomical amount these days. And even when I would have gone, which would have been. Uh, 15 or so years ago. Um, So, I mean, yeah, the cost was certainly a deciding factor, but it was also just that I, I always felt that I could learn more actually being involved with it and, you know, learning from the experience of it, as opposed to, you know, being in a classroom and having some instructor give me these constraints and what I can't do. And, you know, I know a lot of people who went to our school who are phenomenal artists. So I'm certainly not trying to, you know, crap all over 
getting an education as an artist, I, I just think it, it works differently for different people. And for me, it was more about, you know, getting into the industry. I mean, just being involved with, you know, other artists and getting out there and actually doing it as opposed to trying to get some sort of formal education about it. Well, I think that that mindset can be used across the board. Uh, sure. Because I, I, I went to school for a couple semesters and then and dropped out so that I could go get a you know, a job for my day gig in the real world. And while I, I, I'm currently going back on a very slow basis, uh, to, to get my degree to just better, you know, myself in my, in in my current job, uh, the real world experience for me, I agree was what it, it was far more important to me than sitting down and reading a book telling me how to fix a computer. Like it's, it's not a, that the information I learned, you know, 15, 16 years ago, isn't, it, it doesn't even make, it doesn't stand today. Like some of that information right. is just, it, that kind of stuff isn't around anymore. So, uh, yeah. it's that, you know, like you said, education is good for some people to learn from a textbook, but I'm, I'm right there with you. I'd rather, uh, in almost anything, whether it be, you know, my day gig with computers, uh, or, you know, podcasting or wrestling when I, when I used to wrestle all these different things that I've done creatively. Um, I like to try to learn on the, you know, uh, just on the fly. Um, yeah. so it's like I had, I, I almost went to the Connecticut school of broadcasting, uh, back when oh, wow. back when it was still like not even really talk they didn't talk about new media it was all about getting a job in uh, terrestrial radio and whatnot and uh, and I, I just I didn't go because I was like I, I could just do this this internet radio thing with, as we called it back in the day and sure. uh, just kind of teach myself how to do it and um, yeah it's I, again I I probably saved tons of money and I'm exactly right. where I am today had I gone to CBC yeah I agree I, I think I would have been too and again I, I think education is fantastic and I believe people who decide to go that route are you know are justified and probably feel that that's the best path for them and it's just about the individual yeah. really and for me it was important about you know, like you said, just getting out there, getting my, you know, hands dirty and learning how to fail, but learning how to fail better and better, (laughs) you know, and, and having that experience of, of doing Mm -hmm. it, which was the the most important thing for me. And, and I think something that has definitely contributed to whatever level I've reached at this point, it was, it was just a matter of getting out and, and experiencing it as opposed to, you know, getting all these different lessons mm-hmm. about specific aspects of it, I think. So, so and you like one of the things uh, that I, I think is wonderful about being I'm going to assume you're like a, a Gen Xer slash uh, millennial somewhere in that like border range where, you, you know, like I am. Uh, I, I actually just the other day, funny enough, you, you mentioned that. I, so I was born in 1980. Okay. And so, you know, we were sort of in between the Gen X millennial thing. And so I, I don't know if it was just recently coined, but I just read an article the other day where they came up with a new term for it, which is exennial. Yes. Yes. <laughs> for, for, for that sort of. And I think it actually may include you, too, because it's like 
1977 through like 1984, 85 or something it's, like that. It, um, it is. I, I read. So you may be just past yeah, that. Yeah, I read but. that same article. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, maybe like a month or two ago. I forget. It was. Yeah. I saw it. I was like, oh my God. And I think it's here. Here's where I, it's messed up. I think like Generation X, it definitely ends like right before me. Uh, and then, and I'm lumped into millennial before this brand new in between one. And like, I've never felt right, like a millennial because like, I, like I didn't, when I was, when I was born, there was literally like, no one had a computer in their house. Uh, right. No, me neither. And you know, we were sort of the first generation to go from analog yeah, to digital. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we were, it was weird that, you know, we were just right in that sweet spot and I totally, you know, Shanghai'd what you were about to say because you were starting to ask something else. No, and that's I, fine. I went off it's, on tangent, but yeah, it was it was interesting. But yeah, no, and actually, and I and I didn't read that uh, Xennial or Xennial. I call I, I've been calling it Xennial. Uh, so maybe, oh, that's probably what it maybe, is. Yeah, but that. I, I actually want to say that they cut me out of that too. Like I think it was 1983 was oh, the cutoff. Oh. And I'm like, and I look at it, I was like, but there's no way I'm a millennial because like I'm at that point in my life where there's, there's certain aspects of technology, whether it's social media or just like actual physical technology that like I, I'm starting to get afraid of it. And this is like a tech guy. Sure. Like, and that's no millennials afraid, like every millennial, no matter what, what they, what social media comes out there, they jump on it and they love it. And like, I, I yeah. ended like Twitter and Instagram is, is, is about as advanced as I get with social media. Things like I don't, I don't. Me too, and I just learned how to yeah. use those. And <laughs> so. like, there's like every once like Snapchat came around and like became like more than just like sending pics back and forth, and it was like used to tell stories and stuff. I was like, I, I, I can't use Snapchat. Snapchat is like well beyond what I can do. Yeah, yeah, and me too. And, you know, there's all of these different ones that seem the turnover rate just seems to be so dr drastically high. I can't keep up with it. And I'm not even going to try at this point. I I have my social media platforms that I use yeah. and, you know, and I'm even getting rid of Facebook pretty soon because I'm kind of done with that. And, you know, Instagram and Twitter do far more for me anyway. And they're easy because you just go on, you post something and then you walk yeah. away. And I feel like Facebook is just so much more of a commitment when you're trying to sort of um market things or promote things so that's i'll stick with my no, twitter and instagram yeah I, I agree and facebook like is mainly you know uh how i share family pictures with uh, mm -hmm. uh with my extended family yeah yeah definitely. other than that like I have a bunch of like there's an everything is awesome page and whatnot and it's it's good for um, I think local marketing uh, sure. when you're small business yeah it's it's real good for that yeah. but if you're trying to get like you know National when you're attention. you're doing a podcast exactly yeah. yeah it's Twitter and Instagram and, and for me not so much Instagram because I, it's I don't know I don't, I. I'm talking in a microphone I, I'm not it's more audio yeah it's hard to I do with that for sure. I mean, because I, you know, I, um, I do a visual like, thing, so it's a lot easier for me to just post, you know, a panel yeah. of a page I'm doing or something like that. So Instagram exactly. is a much uh, yeah, better platform for somebody like me, I suppose. 
Uh, and as so, and that, uh, now that I'm remembering what I was trying to get to with the whole Gen X okay. uh, millennial thing, uh, we, uh, you know, so we both kind of have grown up in, like you said, going from all, uh, analog to digital yeah. uh, with everything, whether it be, yeah. you know, um, you know, just the way we, we work, the way we communicate uh, to the way we uh, ingest our, our entertainment yeah, from what used to be paper to, to to uh to the like to kindle ebook so yeah um as a because i I still like when it comes to reading whether it's whether whether it's a comic book or uh, an actual book i still before a a physical copy yeah i understand the um the the appeal to the kindle and certainly uh if i was planning on going on like a three-month excursion somewhere i would probably bring an ebook that I could load a whole bunch of things onto versus 30 bucks or a backpack something. full of yeah, paperbacks. Yeah. The, exactly. The, the digital reader is a lot more conducive to having a comfortable vacation. But at home, I'd rather, you know, get my, my fingers dirty reading a book or reading oh, yeah. a comic book. Me too. Uh, but when it comes, when it comes to like being a creator and, and it's, it's not often that we have someone that's like musicians are like the prime example for me where when I talk to a musician, especially one that's in our in our age group and in our generation that they had they had to do, you know, make mixtapes or CDs and then now go to a digital world. Uh, have you found it easier to, uh, to kind of create these, you know, uh, web comics or comic strips? Um, in the digital world versus uh, trying to get them syndicated out into paper, the, the dying brand? Yeah, I think the visibility is most certainly uh, something that's a little bit easier to garner in the digital realm than just trying to, again, send it out to alternative weeklies or something like that, you know, magazines, things that don't even exist anymore. So I don't even know if creators would have that choice if they were sort of just starting, you know, nowadays, uh, but definitely for me, and it was, it was a bit of an adjustment, you know, there's that, uh, you know, period of adjustment where you have to sort of figure the new platform out, which I definitely did. And I still draw traditionally, all the artwork is still done with the pen on paper. And then I scan it in and do some cleanup in Photoshop and, um, you know, think little, finishing touches like that but yeah putting it online and having that ability to literally reach anybody in the world is absolutely something that that is beneficial to our industry whereas even you know 10 15 years ago that was not the case and it's remarkable to really think about that just how different it was even that short amount of time ago and how quickly the technology has advanced but Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's most definitely advantageous for us to have some sort of communication tool like that. And for as much as I malign the Internet and think it's sort of a cesspool, it, there are some wonderful aspects about it. And, and for what it was initially intended to do, I think it does that very well. You know, when we were kids and when it was first coming out, it was called the Information Superhighway, which, you know, I still tend to think of it as, as that as opposed to just... Uh, you know, a place that houses social media sites um, or, you know, porn. But 
yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think for disseminating information and for promoting work and getting a name out there for yourself, it's it's been astounding to what you can do nowadays. And and it's it's, I think like for the the shorter form uh, comics and, and like I'd much rather you know read Garfield online uh, versus say Batman. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's weird how they're both the same format, both comics and whatnot. But there's something about having uh, something that is uh, like a quick read, just be like not in the newspaper or not me having to fumble through, um, you know, a magazine or something to to right. get to like this this monthly three panel or one page, you know. Uh, comic versus being able to go online and just like reading it on a daily basis to it yeah yeah it's but with batman or with spider-man or with with any of of the the marvel dc image any sky whatever all those indie uh and major publishers that, that have the 32 or 22 page books or however long they are these days uh mm-hmm. those i still think like i it's you don't get the same effects that you do reading the paperback. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, and yeah, it's 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 strange that that that's the like that there could be like it's the the small strip. I don't think you lose anything going from the newspaper to to the web. Um, and yeah. which is, I, I assume, great for trying to break into the business because, like as you said, that's just where you're going to be able to hit the most amount of people. Absolutely. And, you know, part of that, too, for me, and I think it may be something that you experience, too, um, the more sequential a story is and the more sort of moving parts that it has, something like, you know, a monthly issue or a 200-page graphic novel or something along those lines, you know, I want to hold that and I want to be able to, to you know, flip to whatever page I want to flip to and... Uh, you know, there's just something about that tactile experience for me of having something like that that is far more pleasurable than reading it online and having to, you know, click a button to go forward or click a button to go back. Whereas, you know, opposed to something like a one-page comic strip, like you said, or just, you know, a, a three-page syndicated comic strip, that's that's the perfect format for that is to do that online. But I, I agree that there's definitely that different experience that you have uh, between those two, and like, and, and of course, I'm leaning more towards like the popular strips and in, in that you, like Garfield and stuff that you you see in the paper. But yeah, and you you might be able to correct me here, but it just it seems like maybe at, at those ones there's not as much detail, and maybe that's why it translates so well to the web versus being able to you know see like a, a page of Batman, like a, like a splash page of Batman that has incredible detail. I think there mm-hmm. is like you, I think you lose some of it when you go digital uh, versus keeping it in print. Is there, is there, do you think there's some truth to that or? Um, I, yeah, I, I think off mark? no, 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 there is some truth to that. And with the comic strips specifically, uh, it was because, you know, back in when it first started sort of the twenties and thirties and those first, comic strips when they had a large section, a large portion of the newspaper and the page 
to actually display the art, it was a lot more intricate and a, a lot more detailed. And as the, the space in the newspapers diminished for comic strips, and as the comic strips themselves diminished, the details became a lot more sparse and the drawings became far more simplistic and open because of that constraint where you, you know, your, your comic is only going to show up at about, you know, two inches wide by a half an inch tall or something. And you still, you know, it still has to be recognizable as some, you know, something, you know, so you don't want to draw a a really detailed battleship, Mm. you know, because nobody's going to know what the hell that is (laughs) at that size. So So that's definitely caused some of the change and, yeah, and so that's been um, sort of um, in in comic strip, or I'm sorry, in comic books, in like the series, um, that's been preserved because that's still printed at the same size as it was yeah. from the get go. So all of that detail and all of the the you know artistry that goes into it is still there. Whereas I think comic strip artists were their hand was sort of forced literally, I guess, uh, to become more and more simplistic just because of the size constraints. So when, when going with that rationale, if you look at maybe, you know, people like yourself who are doing web comics and they, they, they don't start out on print. Are you, like, are you putting the same kind of detail that you would put into say, you know, a, a 22 page, uh, DC, Marvel, Image, IDW comic in your in your web to, panels? To the best of my ability, yes. <laughs> I, okay. You know, my my my, uh, um, my level of of drawing is not quite up to par with something like the big two. But mm-hmm. you know, to yeah, to the best of my ability, it, what what I can do, I'm definitely uh, doing that on on the page. To, you know. Because I'm, I'm able to control it at this point on my website or on my yeah. publisher, Ant Express. You know, we publish it at a pretty, pretty decent size. So, all you know, the detail that I do um, put in there is still, you know, legible and recognizable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, for me, it's, it's not as big of a concern uh, right now. And I think, you know, again, Antics is a, a fairly small publisher. So I work very closely with my editor, Francis. And so we have a lot more control over how it will be printed as well. So in that specific scenario, uh, I, I'm still able to basically render it as complicated or as simplistic as I want, because we have you know, total control over that, which is nice. Yeah, because it's something that I notice is that there's very few, these days, you know, in 2018, web comics that actually are only you know the classic three panels um right i want to say like if you one that i used to read back when like the you know internet was first there was like penny arcade and penny Penny arcade and i haven't read them in a while but you know they were they were the standard like kind of three panel comic book uh, or comic strip rather right and right uh, but there's ones like the first web comics as i recall yeah yeah, yeah, and and but now like you see web comics that are, like uh, I I don't know uh, is it looking for group uh, that's maybe like they do full page uh, web comics on a on a weekly basis or something. Um, uh huh. Yeah. And you know that 
that is like the difference that I see in web comics that are, you know, produced in like the 20 teens is that they're not necessarily the three panels. They're just, here's a page of a comic book that we're releasing on a weekly basis. Yeah. And you have a lot, you know, a lot of uncharted territory to explore with that too, because the, the web essentially gives you an infinite possibility of how to set up your comic strip too. So you don't have to, necessarily draw it at the the dimensions that were industry standards at one point you can set it up however you want basically and you know you have to keep in mind if you are ever thinking of doing a collection obviously or some sort of print collection you know you do need to think in those terms as well but as far as presenting it on a website you know the possibilities are endless which is kind of exciting and and i don't know that there ever will be a time where they're not endless. That's the sort of interesting thing about having a website and presenting different things on there because, you know, it's gone from comic strips to like motion comics where they take the drawings and animate them a little bit. So there's, there's a lot of different things that I think are still unexplored and untapped that you can do from there. Um, I'm, I'm probably more of a, minimalist and traditionalist i think so i don't necessarily think in those terms but it is exciting to see what a lot of other people are doing and the people who are you know far more lewis and clark about it than i am so uh what was like your first big project on your own or you know so wait let me back up for a second do you uh write and illustrate uh most of your work all of your work some of your work uh, now, yes, I've relegated myself to being a uh, one-man operation as far as the writing and drawing goes. And, you know, maybe that's to my detriment. I don't know. I suppose I'll find out. <laughs> but I did work with writers for a long time, and um, it. I worked with some talented people, and I liked the people that I worked with. Uh, just it wasn't the type of storytelling that I wanted to do. I came to realize, and the types of stories that I wanted to tell, I, you know, very personal stories. I was the person who was going to be able to write those. So I actually took about a year and a half, two years off between like 2014, 2015 to just focus on writing and really um, hone that part of the craft Mm -hmm. because that was definitely the weak end, the weak aspect of what I was doing because I never focused on that before. I always pictured myself, um, you know, an illustrator or, uh, you know, somebody who was just going to do the artwork. Um, and I did that for a long time. And I did a book called The Unemployment Adventures of Aqualung for Arcana Studios. And I did a book for Viper Comics, uh, working with other writers. And, you know, just again, came to a point a couple of years ago where I just knew that wasn't really the route I wanted to go. I wanted to pursue any longer and took it upon myself to, you know, go down the road that I'm going now. Sorry, I'm trying to hold back a sneeze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, did I lose no, it? No, yeah, I, t- I wanted to give it enough enough of a pause where there's an edit point, <laughs> but not too much where you're like, Fair what enough. happened? What happened? Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, so as an illustrator is, is uh, slash writer, um, is... Do, is it difficult to like start out that way? I mean, I guess, I guess in today's world it's not with web comics, but 
even I guess in a more traditional sense, it, what like as an illustrator, do you kind of have to be willing to go into the industry saying, "All right, I'm going to be an artist first, and then once I, you know, prove myself or want to go out on my own or something like that, um, th- then I can start writing once I do all that." I mean, yeah, that's certainly how it happened for me. But I, I think everybody's different in that way because some people, you know, are sort of come out of the cartoonist womb fully formed and know what they want to be doing and are writing and drawing their own work from the very beginning. Some people, you know, need a team to work with. Some people, uh, you know, start out, I don't know, editing or publishing or, you know, there's so many different routes that you can take. So I don't, I don't think there's any one sort of gold standard as far as the route that you pursue. It, it just, you know, ends up what you want to do at the time. And again, for me, I pictured myself as being, you know, the next great comic book illustrator, which quickly became apparent to me that that was not going to happen. Some people are illustrators at first. And so I was just saying, yeah, I was just saying that I started out like that, but not everybody does basically. Yeah. And, and I guess in like, in the world of 2018, it's, I, there's not, I guess if you wanted to be a writer illustrator, uh, there's nothing holding you back because you're not just limited to the big two or even any of the indies. Like you can literally just go onto, uh, you know, alex.com, create your own website and, and host your own web, web blog or web comic there. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing holding people back from creating anymore. And, you know, the possibilities are as, large or as small as you can imagine them to be essentially. Um, and you know, marketing and promoting and those are different beasts. So that's why I like to try and work with even small publishers who handle a lot of those sides. Cause I am not yeah. at all adept at yeah. trying to promote myself <laughs> for market. No, that is not my game. Uh, so I try well, to, I, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh no. So I was just saying, that's why I try to, partner up with people as opposed to you know failing on my own at that <laughs> and, and that's the thing in in i guess you know uh the double-edged sword of being in this great uh you know technology world and being able to you know uh in 2018 no matter what you want to do as a creator whether it be an artist or a comic book creator or a podcaster or a filmmaker or whatever it may be uh, musician and whatnot is that um, no longer are you uh, just responsible for the, the creation of the content. Many times, if you're an indie artist in in this new media world, it means you are the CEO, you're the director of marketing, you're the director of IT support, you're also the content creator, and you have to get all this stuff done all by yourself. Normally, and then yeah, some people is, can you know no, align themselves with people to help out. That's a harrowing concept to me. That that makes my uh, <laughs> rear end tight up a little bit, tighten up just at the thought of trying to do that. Um, but yeah, there are people who are who are very talented at it and have a lot of I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't even know if it's experience. They just have the sort of innate uh, you know natural instinct towards it. I guess, and I that just yeah. has never felt like something that comes very naturally to me at all. 
it is especially with like marketing and and, and yeah. getting yourself out there especially like for me like unless you're even like I've done like where you you get some free advertising credits even that like it's I, I don't I still like it, it, I'm not a marketer I, I didn't I didn't get into uh, you know the quote unquote entertainment business uh, to market I, I got into it to to create and hopefully make a couple people laugh here and there yeah uh, and it's uh, but you do you you know it's especially when you know um, I, I would assume the same thing with being an artist like it 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 costs a lot to do this thing that that I offer for free uh, out there for the world. It costs me a lot of money, so I, sure. I also now have to spend all my time <laughs> trying to get people to listen to it. Uh, yeah, that's a full so time proposition, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you know, it, I have a day job, which I'm sure you do too. I think you had mentioned yeah, that, yeah. and you know, so it's it's like having two full time jobs. I I essentially do because. Yeah. I'm, you know, there for eight hours a day and I come home and work on the comics and the writing for another six or seven hours. So there's, you know, it's, it's definitely two full-time jobs. Yeah. But that's something that I've noticed, like, it's just in, in this new media world, that's just the way it works. And, uh, you know, you can, if you really, really, and I, and I don't, I don't do this, but if you really, really put your mind to it and your passion behind it. Uh, you can, like, I've seen, you know, um, fellow podcasters who have went from being, uh, working 40 hours a week at their day job to 40 hours a week on their podcast and, and, yeah. and whatever they're doing to being able to make enough money on Patreon, uh, and being able to quit their full-time job, uh, to just to focus on this. So, uh, it's, it's, it can be super rewarding if you just kill yourself in the beginning to get it done. Right. And, and if you know kind of the avenues to explore to do that. And I think for me, I, I, number one, I don't really know how to approach the promotion of the marketing. And number two, I just don't have an interest in it, which yeah. I know sounds, I don't know, maybe lazy or, or sloth to some degree, but I, I would just rather partner with somebody who will take care of that end, mm. that aspect for me. So I'm not, you know, in a constant state of anxiety about it which, yeah. because I have enough yeah. to make me neurotic. I don't need one more thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what is the, uh, the, the project, the big project you're working on now that I, and I heard, I've heard you allude to it, maybe even drop the name at some point during this discussion. So what are you working on now and where can people find it? The two big projects that I have right now, I have a weekly web comic called decades of inexperience which is uh, published by Antics Press, who I, I had previously mentioned. Uh, you could find the archives, and it's now in the third year, so there's quite a bit to, to sift through if you'd like to. And that can be found at just decadesofinexperience.com. And then the new episodes are posted every Friday at antixpress.com. And the other one is a monthly comic strip called Mr. Butterchips, uh, which is published by an online literary magazine called Drunk Monkeys, which I think the website there is drunkmonkeys.net. And so that's uh, it's not as contrived as it seems because I, Mr. Butterships is sort of this curmudgeonly drunken uh, organ grinder monkey. Uh, so yeah. it would seem that I had created it specifically for that magazine, but I, it was around long, or he was around long before I had hooked up with them. It was just sort of a perfect storm of finding each other, I guess. 
That's that's awesome. I lo- I love it. I, uh, it. That that's that website's not easy or not uh, hard to remember at all. No, it's uh, not. I mean, you just think of what Mr. Butterchips is. He's a drunk monkey, and boom, there you go. That's who you go find. And so, decades of experience. The weekly is a little bit more uh, semi-autobiographical, sort of a thirty-something winding his way through life, and then Mr. Butterchips is much more sort of political satire, social commentary, which, you know, saying it through this surly organ writer monkey just makes it a little more palatable and hopefully a little more funny <laughs> than it would be yeah. if I was just sitting up there, you know, railing against everything. <laughs> and, it, and it almost sounds like this, the the publisher for that, the, the online magazine, literally created, like, they heard your comment. Was it published elsewhere beforehand? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been around for a little while, and we were definitely separate entities before uh, finding one another. Uh, it definitely yeah. sounds like they're like, hey, this is a great comic strip. Let's create a whole magazine and build ourselves <laughs> around it. No, it, just, it was just sort of serendipitous, you know, happenstance that we found one another, and it sort of works perfectly. That's great. Uh, and is there uh, any place that uh, anywhere else people can find you directly if they want to connect with you? Yeah, they can go to my website is just alexschumacherart.com. And then I'm on, like I said, Instagram and Twitter at AJ Schumacher Art. And I, just, and and I post all, more on there. Yeah. And all those uh, links and whatnot to all those places will be in the show notes for people who, uh, like me, uh, don't want to spell Schumacher. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a litmus uh, test or something for uh, it's, for names. <laughs> I was uh, when I when I because uh, I just copy and pasted everything into Zen, uh, Zencaster here, and right. when I did, I was like Schumacher. Why does that name sound so familiar? And it's and it's it's not the same, but very similar. To and I, now, the name is escaping me, and I don't know why, because he ruined Batman with yeah, Val Joel. Kilmer and George. Is it's it Schumacher? Joel Schumacher? Joel Schumacher? And it's oh, Joel Schumacher okay. spelled exactly the same name, same way rather. And luckily, I am not related to him because I would disown him if I was. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. I thought it was dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. For some reason, when I when I was looking at your last name earlier, uh, whenever I created the Zencaster session, I was like, man, that sounds like that dude who wrote Batman. But I think I think I'm just it's just very close. It's, but it is the same. And you're not related. Thankfully, as long as you're not related, we can forgive <laughs> you not. here at That's the good. awesome empire. <laughs> I appreciate so. that. Forgiving a mulligan <laughs> on that one. <laughs> all right uh alex thanks for doing the show it was great talking to you and uh learning a little bit about art yeah absolutely thank you for having me on kevin all right we'll, we'll talk to you we'll have to have you back on the show and talk uh we didn't get into any pop culture we normally go on pop culture tangents and we didn't we were very good this episode oh. <laughs> so. okay yeah i'd be happy to come back on man whenever clearly we'll have to have you back on and just go on a batman and schumacher uh tangent Oh, I am down for that, man. I've, I, I don't think I've exercised all my demons about that, so that would be a good, <laughs> a good time to do that. All right, thanks once again to Mr. Alex Schumacher for being on the show. I loved the conversation. Um, I feel like there was a lot more that we could gotten into, and, and we and we just ran out of time. So, just uh, just another guest that you know I, I want to tap again for a future conversation. Um, and um, please, please check out 
you know, Alex Schumacher on Twitter at AJ Schumacher Art, Alex Schumacher Art dot com. Uh, all these all these notes are going to be in the the or all these plugs will be in the notes. Um, but uh, again, once again, thank you for spending time with Alex and I. Uh, for this conversation. Uh, you could be doing anything with your time um, and you chose the last hour or so to spend with us. Um, if you're listening at one and a half speed, then you you know a little less time. Uh, that's that's my little hint for you. I listen to things at one and a half speed because I have so many podcasts that I listen to that I can't listen to them at normal speed. Uh, anyway, um, and it's just, it means a lot that you're here. Uh, if you want to help this show, go to patreon.com slash that entertains. Uh, that's a great way to subscribe, get early content, bonus content. It's a great little subscription service that we're, we're trying to build up and, and give more value with this show and other shows that are on the That's Entertainment Podcast Network. Um, you can also leave us a five-star rating review on iTunes, um, whether it's from your phone on Apple Podcasts or from your computer on iTunes. Uh, that helps just get more ears to find the show. And the more ears listening to the show means we can do bigger and cooler things like live shows. We're cooking something up for May. So be sure to, uh, stay tuned for more information about that. And of course, word of mouth recommendations is free for nothing. You, you know, just tell someone to listen to the show, put it on while you're in the car, say, Hey, I listened to this instant, uh, this interesting conversation about, um, comic books and getting into art. Uh, it was this guy, Alex Schumacher, and he was talking to the host, Kevin Gallagher about this. And it's, Oh my God, it's an amazing conversation. Let's listen to it together. Let's hold our hands like Thelma and Louise and drive off this cliff. Listen to everything is awesome. Don't drive off a cliff guys. Don't do that. But Please listen to Everything is Awesome in the car when you have people in there and just spread the good word of Everything is Awesome. Um, anyway, uh, that is uh, all I got for you this week. Um, we'll be back with some more stuff uh, as we play catch up and whatnot. That, that Patreon is getting built up. Uh, this is Everything is Awesome, and I am Kev. Uh, you can find us on awesomepodcast.com. We are part of the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network on coretemparts.com. We've been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network. To listen to more Core Temp Arts shows, visit coretemparts.com.